You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. This is Locked On Hornets presented by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. Check us all out on Twitter at Walker Mail, at Not of the Scribe, and at Doug Branson LOH. Find the show handle on most social media platforms at Lockdown Hornets. We got a rough one for you today. <laughs> it's one of the worst losses that I've ever seen from the Hornets, and it literally is one of the worst losses that probably yeah. all of us have yeah. ever seen. Yeah. So the worst loss in Hornets history was, I believe, 50 points. I think the worst loss in home Hornets history was the first game they ever played to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Yes. And you witnessed the second worst home loss in Hornets history last night. Yeah, and it felt like it. Like, this game was over early. This game, there was no competitiveness to this game. When you give up 10 threes in the first quarter, like, there's nothing you can do at that point. So what we got coming up here is the game tonight. Some of the long-term effects that maybe this road trip could bring. Does that mean Jeremy Lamb movement? Does that mean Kimba movement? We will have a Kimba discussion. And first, we'll start off with maybe a positive like a Devontae Graham and maybe what you saw the replacement as Belt Billy Hernan Gomez and what he did for Cody Zeller. I just wanted to say that I think it's nice that the Hornets decided to get in on the 30th anniversary celebration with that kind of loss. That's right. <laughs> Give us a reason to bring up the first. You know, bring back home the nostalgia. <laughs> bring back the nostalgia of suffering through the first ever franchise home loss. Bring it back. Is that marketing? Is that Pete Gwilly? That's genius. Bring back the suffering. Yeah, bring back bring the, suffering. the suffering. You know, we're, we're going to bring it back to start the new year. First game of the new year, come check us out. We're going to see Luka Doncic and we're going to lose by 40. Bring back the blowout. Can we get a t-shirt? I want a T-shirt of this 38-point beatdown. <laughs> I want a T-shirt with Devontae Graham on it because that's really one of the only things that I thought was a positive. And Devontae Graham went 3 of 13. So yeah. it's not like Devontae was amazing. The first quarter, they get out. It's it's a tie at 22 apiece in the first quarter. And the Hornets would go on to then score four more the rest yeah. of the quarter. While the Dallas Mavericks, while they were putting up three-pointers left and right, they would go on to score 42. Ten made three-pointers in the first Hornets would then go on to score 15, 24, and 19 in each of the remaining quarters, never getting up until the first over 25, and they eventually score 84 the entire night. It's been defense that's the problem, and they had awful defensive tendencies last night, but they couldn't even score last night as well. And again, focusing on Devontae, that's a guy that had to start in place for Jeremy Lamb. It wasn't Malik Monk. We Talked about Malik Monk not starting yesterday. Yeah. How it wasn't a huge deal to us. You know, you don't want to mess with his role. It's a guy that actually has kind of been playing a little bit better here recently and actually playing, period. Yeah, exactly. Just recently. So Devontae Graham gets the start. He had been killing it in, in G League. He actually had a couple of good games where he got over 20 minutes. He goes 3 of 13, goes for 10 points, hit a couple of threes. There were some good things he did early in the first quarter. But I do think that... In a game that James Borrego questioned this team's competitive spirit, right? That's the word that, Mm -hmm. that's the phrase that we kept hearing in that post game press conference. He gave credit to Devontae competing, thought that he did a solid job early. And then here's the comment from James Borrego in the press conference. He did say that he liked Devontae Graham early, but then he had this to say about Cody Zeller's replacement, Billy Hernan Gomez. I think Devontae was solid early, I think he helped us early. Um, obviously he's undersized they're posting us you know they're a bigger team than us 
you know, and I think that, that that's not going to be the last team that that happens with. You know, there's, there's a physicality out there and a, a size difference. Um, so we can look at changing that. But I thought Devontae competed tonight. I thought I think he was solid. Um, you know, Billy, I got to watch I got to watch Billy's minutes and really um, see what I gather from that first before I want to comment on, on, <laughs> on his minutes tonight. Um, we're just gonna need more from Billy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the pause. Yeah, the oh, yeah. pause. <laughs> yeah, Billy, not a good game from you, huh? James Borrego, what you think about Billy? I can't play Cantor. Can't play him. Cannot do it. Well, the thing is, he doesn't want to comment until he sees the tape. But he almost right. he couldn't resist. Right. Yeah. No, that 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 is the funny part. Of, that is the Sorry. comment. <laughs> oh wow! I don't think anybody's nipples were hard watching Billy Hernan Gomez. Last when I night. think about playoffs, my nipples get hard. I, Billy Hernan Gomez doesn't get any praise from the coach. He plays 18 minutes. It's kind of what we talked about, Nada. You know, Bismack's minutes were a large, a lot of garbage time. We didn't yes. see Frank come in where you know Hornets were still trying to get back in that game, and he only made the fire worse. Right. So, so I, and to be fair, everybody made the fire worse. The, yes. When they went to the bench, those plus minuses are god awful. And so, I mean, all the plus minuses are god awful. So when you look at the center rotation, you know, they they did use a rotation. They went Hernan Gomez 18 minutes. Frank played 16, and Bismack again. He played in garbage time but you look at what's next right so so yeah. Devonte Devonte is probably the one positive that you can take from this game even though he went three of 13 I'm not saying that Devonte was amazing Let, let's not get it twisted but at least he showed you some decent things at the beginning you have a road trip that looks extremely daunting coming up didn't shoot the basketball well but I was looking at these uh, defensive stats on stats.nba.com and their defensive box scores and looks like he held opponents to four of ten shooting one of six from beyond the arc, uh, so that's definitely a positive in a game where Kimball Walker allowed 8 of 12 shooting and Michael Kidd Gilchrist 6 of 10 shooting. And I remember some spots where he lost his man. I think some a lot of the Hornets lost their man. I don't remember exactly which plays they were kind of early in the game. I think but I thought remember the, the def- actual defensive plays. Right. right. I mean, well, Because there weren't many. Well, right. So, I, I But I do think that Devontae was, was fine on that area. I didn't think, man, Devontae is really being a rookie out there defensively. So if, if we want to put the one bright spot on this in a game that desperately needs one for the Hornets' sanity, then maybe you can look at some of the play from Devontae. But now the six-game road trip is coming up, Mm -hmm. right? So, you know, you don't have these guys right now. Jeremy Lamb was doubtful for this game. So it seems like in a couple of games they play, in a couple of days they play the Nuggets, play them on January 5th. So it seems like Jeremy Lamb could be ready to go in that one. You know, at least somewhere. At least somewhere somehow. in the road trip. I, I I agree. I just don't see him ready for the well, start of the well, road. Well, maybe trip. is, maybe he isn't. I, I don't I don't know, yeah. right? I mean, maybe Jeremy Lamb. I mean, it's it's certainly feasible to think that he could go in Denver, but Cody Zeller's not. No. Cody Zeller's not gonna be able to play. It looks like he might be out. Again, we've talked about it. No confirmation on the Hornets yet. All star. You know, four to five weeks, maybe a couple months. You know, I I don't know how long Cody's going to be out, but he's not going to be back in a long time, which means you can do significant damage in his absence. So now when you're looking at this road trip, I mean, it could be a brutal record when you come back and play, I believe, the Indiana Pacers in your first home game back since this road for this road after this road trip. The other the one thing I would say, though, and this is the one thing I will say, yeah, um, I just don't see any way. <laughs> wow. Is it the he's one thing noticing it now. He's yeah. noticing yes. it now. We're yeah. in his head. Yeah, you're absolutely in my head. But the one thing. Dance puppet. Ah! <laughs> I hate you guys so much. Dance right puppet. Now. 
My God. I mean, it's it's ruined. Your take is yeah, ruined. No, now. my take is ruined. Let's, I, let's, let's Doug, do you have let's a take that all about the six game road trip, or we just do you just want to move on? Well, I'll say that uh, Denver <laughs> has absolutely zero chance of beating the Charlotte Hornets because, as so many have pointed out, that's right. The Hornets are destined to hang around that 500 mark. You know, it is it is not funny. It's bad. I mean, you you see this game, and you can have reasonable expectations for some games right and and I think a reasonable expectation even with Billy Hernan Gomez being in place of Cody Zeller even with Jeremy Lamb out you still thought that the Hornets had a chance maybe not should win with two starters out but certainly had just as good a chance as the Mavericks to win this game at home with Dallas only having won two road games the entire season so far and when the Hornets get blown out like that like that's an extreme cause for concern. Like yes. you are extremely scared of what is about to come. Yeah, you're waiting for the Woj bombs to come and it's coming. Here's my question. If the Hornets somehow miraculously hang around 500 for the entire season. You have if they're at 500, they they have a good shot at making the playoffs in the in this Eastern Conference. Well, well within it. Is yes. that a is that a good season? Are you are we yes. satisfied well, with that? Th- that's that is the yes. I mean that is the question, right? That is the one question is are you cool with this Hornets team? Because this is what Rich Cho did when he decided to pay MKG, Marvin Williams, Cody Zeller, all of these contracts. Yeah. Uh, that that is what he decided to do when he gave all of these guys north of $13 million a year. You, you knew that you were going to be cemented in this somewhat NBA purgatory that everybody discusses, right? Like, I, I mean, everybody discusses you either want, to be, either want to be at the top or you want to be at the bottom so you can have a little bit of tank city going on. And while I, you know, I have mixed feelings about tanking, I think there are mm-hmm. some teams that it's probably right to just kind of blow it up and go for a higher draft pick. I think maybe the Hornets should probably just stick it out and let these contracts roll so you don't give up any assets because you're not going to get many assets in return. I, I, you know, whatever, but I don't know if that's a good season. Like I, I think right now, yeah, I, I would take making the playoffs. Yeah. But as, as bad as that loss was fellas, they are 18 and 19 in the Western conference, the second seventh. in the Southeast division last year at this time on January 2nd, they got a win over the Sacramento Kings to move to 14 and 23. And Nada said that yesterday and how that well, is... I wasn't here yesterday. Well, no. <laughs> exactly. No, I'm not it's I'm okay. not clowning. I'm just saying the you guys The one thing I'll say is that I was not here yesterday to hear that. That is correct. Nada said yesterday the one thing I'll say is that you didn't have this kind of schedule coming up. I we we all know what's coming. Yeah, we all know what's coming. I want to talk about some of the long term effects that could be coming if you go out there out west and come back with just one win or fewer. It's the season of giving. We're giving you daily Hornets talk in your podcast feed. We need you to show your support by joining our Patreon page for as little as one dollar a month. You'll be supporting the content that you depend on. Patreon.com slash LOH. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back with more on some of the long term effects of maybe what this road trip could bring. You are listening to the Locked On Hornets podcast. We're going to talk about Jim or Jay Laranega and James Borrego. Should get the first two. name right. <laughs> yeah, that's, well, maybe that one I should get. Actually, his real name is James, but they call him Jay. We'll call him Jay, too. It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. 
I mentioned before it was the worst loss the Hornets have ever suffered at home. The first, it's the worst one since their first ever home game in franchise history, where they lost to the Cleveland Cavaliers. It was by 40 points. And as we were looking up some of the stats of that game, we realized that they might have had the best names in NBA history a part of that Cleveland Cavaliers team. Best names in it. Yeah, this might be the best named team ever that Cleveland had. Uh, but first, let me run down some Hornet stats for you. So the Hornets did lose this thing by 40 points, 133 to 93. And uh, the Hornets were led by Kelly Trapuca, 7 of 13 from the field, 16 points, 4 assists. Kurt Rambis, 7 of 9. Really efficient night for Rambo, 16 points, 6 rebounds. Then off the bench, our guy, Rex Chapman. He's been involved in a lot of these 30th anniversary celebrations. Yes, he has. 14 points, 4 rebounds, 2 assists. Muggsy Bogues also got 20 minutes in this game off the bench. Because he wasn't starting. Should have been starting. It wouldn't have been 40 if Muggsy Bogues would have been starting. But now we go to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Yeah, I want to hear this Cleveland Cavaliers roster. So, so not not much action on the starting lineup in terms of names. You've got some names you remember. Ron Harper, Mark Price, former uh, shooting coach for the Charlotte Hornets, Brad Doherty, Go Heels, Larry Nance, Mike Sanders. That's boring. Mike Sanders, you're right. That is the opposite of what the bench can provide. Yeah, the bench has uh, Darnell Valentine. Great name. Which I it might be Denzel's dad, by the yeah. way. But go ahead. Could be. Randolph Keys. Last name Keys. That's great. Major Decent. Keys. Hot Rod Williams. Nah, There's a guy in the NBA named Hot Rod or was. Hot Rod Williams. It's the Fantastic. most Cleveland team ever. Yeah, that's a great name. Tree Rollins. Oh, of course. Yeah. Classic. What was Tree Rollins? Did Hot Rod have a first name? I think it's John, right? Yes. I think it's hot. I mean, we can name him hot. <laughs> it was Hot R. Williams. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, imagine four points for Hot yourself. Rod. By the way, four points for Hot Rod Williams. Four points, five points for Chris Dudley. Oh, Chris oh. Dudley. Chris Dudley, most famously known for me, at least sh- throwing the basketball at, at Shaquille Jack- O'Neal <laughs> after maybe one of the most disrespectful moments in NBA history. Thanks again for joining us here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Looking back on what was an awful night in Charlotte Hornets basketball history, really. I mean, it, it's shocking to see what happened last night to your Charlotte Hornets. But here we are discussing a 38-point loss for the Hornets going up against Dallas again. They had won just two road games all season long. So they were just like the Hornets. Yep, they were just like the Hornets. And now they have won three, and they are moving on. And the Hornets are now moving on out west. And something interesting to discuss is how much this West Coast road trip could affect the macro things that you have to worry about for the Charlotte Hornets team. You know, for instance, Kimba Walker. You know, what does this mean for Kimba? What does it mean trade-wise? What does it mean signing him long term? You know, what does it mean for him wanting to stay here? What does it mean for the Charlotte Hornets wanting to re-sign him? There's a lot of different questions yeah. that we're going to have about Kimba. If if the Hornets go out there and they win one game or if they go 0 for 6, Oh, that's going to be in the discussion again. It's it's here right now. You can't lose like that and not have that be a part of the discussion again. If you don't want to take that big step on what we do with Kimba, there is a step between that and what you do with Jeremy Lamb. Is there really, though? That's the question I, I guess I would have for you is because is there really a question about Lamb? If you're going to trade Lamb, why are you not trading Kimba? Well, because Lamb could possibly be made to bring in a Bradley Beal. And so, and I understand your thoughts on that, but I, let's let's play this from the Hornets' perspective. Okay, if the Hornets are desperately trying to hang on to Kimba, which I believe they would, yes, I think they desperately want Kimba to be a Charlotte Hornet next season. Mm-hmm. If you go zero and six, you go one and five on this road trip. You come back, you're well below five hundred. 
and you desperately want to keep Kimba, you do have a decision on what to do with Jeremy Lamb. And so now, do you want Jeremy Lamb to walk? By the way, it's going to be really tough to sign him anyway. You can re-sign him along with Kimba if you want, but that will be all your money. Those will be the yes. two, and you will be locked up for a little while. So I agree. So you can move on from Jeremy Lamb and get some assets in return, or he can move on from you and not get any assets in return. That's a very real question no, right no, now. No, that's a, that's a very real thing. And I guess here's my answer for you on that. What's the best do you think that a Lamb-centered package can get you? Well, I, what, who said it has to be centered around Lamb? So okay. now if you're going with Bradley Beal, right, if, if that's the name that keeps getting thrown out there, yeah, I, I think that the Wizards would be inclined to listen to trade offers inquiring about Bradley Beal because Wall is out for the season. And we've discussed this already. The Wizards' chemistry, it's not like they were thriving with John Wall in the lineup anyway. No. So if they want to move on, if they want to blow this up, as Ernie Grunfeld and that team said at the beginning of the season, and we already had this discussion – you know, can you move on from Jeremy Lamb, who does have an expiring contract that is attractive? You know, you might want to hold on to him, but if you're looking to just rebuild everything, you know, maybe you move on from Lamb. So move on from Lamb. You know, Malik Monk, do you sell high on his value? Okay. Is this somebody that you don't think is going to pan out, and you're going to get a shooting guard in return anyway? So you sell high on Malik Monk's value. Okay. You do have to get rid of Miles to get Bradley Beal, and we would agree on that. If there is a deal yeah. for you to get Bradley, Miles has to go. So if you want to desperately hold on to Kimba, then Bradley Beal would be a guy that would come in in place of Miles Bridges as well, and then maybe a first round pick thrown in there. Maybe and probably not maybe, right? Or like no, there is no maybe. So so throw in maybe protected. I don't know. I don't know how protected. Lightly, right? But a first round pick would be included in that as well. Do they get desperate to where they're like Ernie? You know, I I want Bradley, man. Like, we are desperate to keep Kimba. We want to make the playoffs. We want to have that contract on our books. You guys can go rebuild. You guys can get this in the works right now. I want Kimba and Bradley as my backcourt because I think there is a path that would leave Mitch Kupchak and company that desperate to go and do whatever they could to go get Bradley or another star out there, but Bradley Beal seems to be the guy that is most likely to be had. I I fundamentally disagree with this. Fundamentally. Fundamentally disagree because you have teams out there that can put together better stars for better packages. Well, oh, no, I didn't say that. I'm saying Bradley Beal. Like, what other name is being thrown out as much as Bradley? No, I'm, I'm with you that there are other teams that could go get Bradley more if they wanted exactly. to. But Bradley is the name that's being thrown out most because it seems like he's the most expendable at this point. It seems like he's the guy that is most likely to be had from all the other stars. I can't think of another one. I can't think of another one, but the only thing is I just don't think the Hornets have the pieces. And I think this is the thing that keeps coming back. And Brego even said it last night. No one's coming to save them. So if we're going to operate under that mentality, I'm not sure anybody's get coming here. So that's a conversation I hear, yeah. right? Because I, my, my question is, do the Hornets get so desperate where they are trying to throw everything but Kimba at Washington to get a Beal or whatever? Yeah. If you have a star in place, then fine. You know, th- these are the assets that you have. Yeah. You have Jeremy Lamb. You have Miles Bridges. You have Malik Monk. You have a first-round pick. And I, I don't know what else you have, but those are the things. That's those it. That's the most attractive yeah. things that you have to offer. So whether that's Beal or whatever star that you want to throw at me, do the Hornets get to that first before they decide, you know what, maybe it ain't worth signing Kimba Walker to a max? Or they fear Kimba's like, you know, why do I want to stay here? Yeah, it might be more money. You know, I do like Charlotte. Yes. But you know what, man? Like, this kind of this kind of wanes on you. <laughs> no, it, it does wane on him. It probably wears on him at this point. I'm just wondering – if we haven't already gotten to that step where there's not anybody coming. 
They've already exhausted all of those resources, and now there's only one answer left, and it's the unfortunate nuclear option. It's it's trading Kemba or trading Kemba first, right. trading Lamb, and that's where we're at. And, and, and trading Kemba being your nuclear option, right? So yes. like, so what teams? And and that's tough. And we've discussed this before. Yeah. I mean, damn, that's tough because teams that are looking at Kemba are trying to take a step you would think to at least contend for a championship exactly. you know get to a a bigger step in the NBA playoffs or i guess make the playoffs the teams right so philly makes sense and you brought up philly from philly, the get go philly is one of the two that makes sense philly is zaire smith obviously like they have the Fultz, assets yeah. to do it smith faults that Miami Miami twenty twenty one and Amir Johnson and and we both agree though like Kemba and Ben Simmons don't really match uh, play well nope. that to you I, I, that doesn't seem like one one relationship that I would think would work well on the court together so I, I don't know how much Philly makes sense you know L A has been thrown out you know you have to get another star to play with LeBron I don't know how many of those pieces intrigue you a ton if you're Charlotte I, maybe maybe you do it for Lonzo and a Brandon Ingram you know maybe they shell out that much money and they believe enough that they can sell Kemba on him staying in LA long term. And then Doug, I and before we brought were brought in here, you know, you brought up Orlando, which Orlando. Would, which would make sense because Steve Clifford has the Kimba relationship. But to me it wouldn't make sense because they'd be the Orlando Hornets at that point. They'd be the Orlando Hornets, and I'm pretty sure that the the Charlotte Hornet brain trust is deathly afraid of Kemba <laughs> coming here twice well, a year. But I think in Clifford's mind, the Hornets could have been a successful team had they gotten lucky with a few injuries here and there. So I don't know why he doesn't view Kimball Walker with some of that talent as a possible playoff contender, which is what Orlando Orlando wants to get to the playoffs, but I, I'm sure they have the same kind of objectives that Steve Clifford had when he was in Charlotte, which is not only get to the first round, but find a way to compete in the first round and bring some fans back into the fold. And, and the one thing I will say about Orlando getting Kemba Walker is that if, if they were able to get Kemba, then I do like that nucleus a little bit better because Orlando is not going to send Aaron Gordon in a trade. They don't think they wouldn't send a Vucevic in a trade. So if you have no. both of those guys and you have Kemba, you know, I think that is a nucleus that I would like better than what Charlotte has. But, you know, if you're getting anybody from Orlando, you're getting a Bamba, you're getting an Isaac, you know, yeah, but I, I don't nothing like even lower tier pieces yeah. of what Philly and L.A. can get. I think all this goes to say that it's going to be damn tough to deal Kemba. It it goes to what I've been saying this entire time, that Mitch Kupchak has a really hard job being the general manager of the Charlotte Hornets team because of all of the money allocated to these average, maybe some above, maybe some below. But there's a lot of money allocated to these guys. Yeah. And it's it's a damn tough job. It's there's nothing there. That's the thing. There's no pieces that no one's coming to save you. That's now, apropos of of really nothing, but I just I just came upon <laughs> That's this, what we do. I came upon this stat and I think it's really interesting. It goes back to the Cody Zeller injury. The Hornets actually have or have had prior to the Cody Zeller injury one of the healthiest starting lineups in the NBA. Their starting lineup has played 34 games this season. The only uh, starting lineup that's played more is Memphis at 35. Something we've documented. Yeah. You know, we, we discussed how lucky they were to be so healthy for a long time this season, and then it all came crashing down with an inevitable Cody Zeller injury. But here's the thing about both of those lineups. Plus minus, 1.9 for the Hornets, 1.8 for Memphis, which doesn't really track as one of the top 10 
five-man lineups in the league this season. So as healthy as they have been, they haven't been extremely effective. You compare that to the previous years, and the Hornets were always that starting lineup that that Clifford threw out there was one of the more effective because probably because they were balanced offensively and defensively were, were one of the better lineups in the NBA. Well, and it goes to the point that James Borrego says constantly that we made fun of, but I don't think necessarily disagreed with was that the Hornets have to be perfect. Yeah. You know, it's a tall order, but they have an extremely slim margin for error. You know, they have to be perfect, and when you lose your best big man, you get beat down by 40 points. <laughs> like, do they have to be that perfect? Do they have to be that perfect to where they had to have all five starters healthy just so they didn't get beat down by 40 at home? I mean, that's crazy. That's crazy, and it also speaks to uh, how bad a job Rich Cho did. Yeah, so. it, I think it does. I, I think it speaks to that, and a lot of worries coming this way, you would have to believe, for the Charlotte Hornets. We're coming to you from the Gittimer.com studios in Uptown Charlotte. If you're in sales and need help, visit Gittimer.com today to learn how they can help you do the one thing you want to do, and that's make more sales. Have a weird fight in the NBA. Stick around <laughs> to find out who it was next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. You are listening to the Locked on Hornets podcast. And that was also a connection of a connection because the new Carolina Panthers owner, David Tepper, looks like the guy trying to defuse the bomb at the elementary school and die hard with a vengeance, which I thought looked like John Hurd, a.k.a. Kevin McAllister's dad. A.k.a. Peter McAllister. I never would have got that. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. So Doug's getting something out of the refrigerator, and I had not seen this, but we, me and Nod, I guess, were discussing what to talk about on the show. And then Doug says, there was an NBA fight last night, kind of randomly, and then he gives me the names, and I'm kind of taken aback. The names that he gave me were players on the Memphis Grizzlies roster. Fighting each other. Fighting each other. Before you reveal the names... A lot of emotional players on this team. I mean, Marcus Gasol, one known to, yeah. to confront and be mm-hmm. emotional on the court. Mike Connolly, another passionate player. There are a lot of candidates on here for a fight. So with all that being said, the players that maybe you would not guess on the Grizzlies roster ended up being the guys who fought. Garrett Temple and Omri Caspi. Those are the two guys that got in a fight. What? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Temple doesn't surprise me. Yeah, Tim- Bobcat. Yeah, Temple might not be as surprising. You know, 10-day contract guy. Yes, exactly. Some some guy that somebody that fought his way into the league and playing some good basketball right now. Played well with the Kings last year. Now on the Grizzlies and Omri Caspi, I don't know if maybe you thought that guy would be involved in a fight. I think yeah, when we start thinking about it, you think about Caspi probably not being the one, but at the same time he's what? 6'1", 6'11" 240. So I, I couldn't play this game correctly. Doug thought of a game and I, I'm unable to play. I don't know how to play this game. I was playing it wrong when we were outside of the studio. But what's your game, Doug? You want to try to figure out the most, the, the names that you would least likely pair in a fight together? Yeah, I think it would be fun if, if the listeners on Twitter let us know uh, two names that would be stranger to hear fought in the NBA. <laughs> oh Do they have to be on the same team? Yeah, yeah. All Same right. team. Yeah, I think that's that's the rule. They have right. to actually be able to get in a fight this season after a players-only meeting. And uh, it has to be stranger than Omri Caspi, 
and Garrett Temple. <laughs> no, that's that's a pretty that's good a tough one. one. Throw in Omri Caspi, throwing hands from the Holy Land. <laughs> oh, God. Woo. Don't mess with it. You guys are underestimating Omri Caspi. Yeah, I apologize for underestimating. This underestim- is a player, if you've been listening to the show for a long time, you know I have a man crush on Omri Caspi. I did not know this. It's no. a player that I've always wanted to see the Hornets go after in free agency or in the trade market. I felt like he would have been perfect in some of those years where they needed sort of shooting, but also a little bit more uh, uh, beef underneath. That's a good, oh, I like that, beef underneath. No, beef it, underneath. It, it absolutely yeah. is. But And this is a guy that's relatively been on the move. I, I would, Forever. Yeah, I mean, he's he's on the move, it seems like, every single and year. And he never gets to he? play. I'm glad that Memphis, are they still doing well? I haven't checked in with them in they're a fi- They're one game under 500 like we are. Okay, so they're not doing well anymore. But I've always well, wanted Western to Conference, see right? I mean, yeah. Omri. I mean, I know he, he had a, didn't he have a season with the Golden State Warriors? So he like did. He's, but I've, been, I've really just wanted him to see him stick with a team that is playing well, making the playoffs, and doing good things. So his years in the NBA go Sacramento, two years with Sacramento, two years with Cleveland, one with Houston, two more years in Sacramento, two and a half, goes to New Orleans, then Minnesota, then Golden State, and now Memphis. And Doug, you've had your shot at Caspi for quite a long time. You've had your shot at him, and you've just been unable to get him. Do you have any more player crushes? Like, Caspi is a weird player crush. Why, why are you squinting at the computer screen? Are you seeing just to Well, I was trying to figure out where curtains. Garrett Temple went to school. LSU, right? It, yes, that's correct. But Google has it listed as University Laboratory School. But that may be the school within LSU. University Laboratory. But it's just <laughs> interesting that Google would list his school as University Laboratory School. I don't know. They, they ULS. Teach, they teach dogs down there. They teach them to fight down at the lab school, and especially if they come by the holy man, Omri Caspi. I want to hear those <laughs> names as well. I want to hear those names on Twitter. If you guys can find two names that are least likely to get in a fight that are on the same team, I absolutely want to check that out. Thanks for listening to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network today. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever you get your podcast. Just search Locked On Hornets. We'll be back with you tomorrow.